Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 22. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your direct connection to best selling author Gary Renard, author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and the third upcoming book, Love Has Forgotten No One. I'm Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co host. And we have the man himself standing by in a very frozen location. He's on the road currently in Boston as we record this. Hey there, Gary. How are you? Cold, man. <laughs> <laughs> I am cold. I'm not used to this. You were, you were telling me, what's the temp right now? Uh, it's in the 20s. Ooh, ooh. Cold yeah, weather. Yeah, I, I came here from uh, California, and it was in the uh, upper 70s. And, you know, I've kind of gotten used to that the last uh, year and a half or so. You know, it's kind of like uh, I've become a warm weather person, and, and your blood kind of thins out. You know, because I went there from Maine. I was in New England my whole life, and went there. My blood thinned out. I got used to the warm weather. Uh, last winter was the first winter in my life where I never saw any snow or any ice. Right, I remember. The whole you, winter. Remember you talking about that? Yeah, because you're originally the New England guy from Maine and, and thereabouts. That's right. Now uh, on the road, I'm back where I started. I actually did my uh, very first workshop. Right here in Boston five years ago. Ooh, so it's an anniversary for you, a homecoming. That's right. Now I'm back where I started. I'm uh, doing a workshop uh, tomorrow. Uh, actually, it's uh, it's called the First Paris Church in a town called Watertown, but it, it borders Boston. It's, it's considered to be uh, Boston, even though mm. I'm staying in Newton, which is another one of those towns that uh, borders Boston. But uh, it was fun driving around today. I didn't enjoy getting out of the car, but it was fun uh, driving around, looking at all the old places that I used to see. Because it's been a few years since I've really, uh, you know, looked around the Boston area here. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wanted to mention a couple of things before we get started, because today we're going to do uh, almost all questions and answers. Right, we promised. A lot, people, and... <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have been asking us to do that. And uh, I want to do that. I just wanted to mention a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I have a new audio CD that I recorded for uh, Sounds True, mm-hmm. which is a really good company. And uh, this is my third audio CD with them. It's called Fearless Love. And uh, it just came out this week. And uh, it's already doing pretty well. And uh, people seem to like it. It's about two and a half hours long. And uh, I really enjoyed recording it. Sounds True has a nice studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was fun. And I also have a new DVD out. And uh, that is something that was recorded by these uh, guys that made a movie that I'm going to be in. Now, they're two separate things. The movie will be out uh, next month. That's called Leap, the movie. Right. I think I think you you had mentioned that a little while ago. Uh, we I have a strange echo. I don't know if it'll be on the recording. If it is, folks, bear with us. But yeah, you had mentioned the Leap movie. I think when you were doing it, and that's coming out now. Yeah, it'll be out in December. And uh, there's a website people can go to. They'll be able to get to it from my website next month. Uh, but if they want to see the trailer, it's a really good trailer. It's a really good uh, preview of the movie. I think the website is uh, just leapmovie.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that's it. Uh, if not, they can just Google, you know, leap the movie and they'll find me. But uh, it's a really well done movie. Uh, it's uh, the second one that I've been in. Uh, the trailer is the most exciting preview I've seen for this kind of a movie. 
and these guys are really cool. These guys are, they can't be more than 30 years old, and they're like, uh, you know, really into it. They're from Colorado. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they've made a really good film. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, an awful lot of people see this movie. And what they did with me the last time I was in Denver, uh, we did a DVD of a workshop that I did for a place called the Rocky Mountain Miracle Center. And uh, it's a place that I've been to a few years in a row. And uh, they recorded the workshop. They also did some interviews with me. It's actually two different DVDs. It's like a a 15-minute uh, to half an hour perspective type DVD with me. It's like kind of like an interview and different things uh, going on. And then there's the workshop itself. So, uh, you know, I know there are some people around the country who, you know, can't travel too far. And if I haven't been to their town, they haven't been able to see me do a workshop. Well, this is a chance to uh, actually see me do a workshop mm. without having to travel. So uh, both those things are available, plus the movie itself will be available next month. So, you know, I'm pretty excited because I like working with these guys. They're, they're really good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it'll be two different things, and I'm going to try something here. As I said, we're uh, we're recording this with Gary on a cell phone, and I think that may be why we're getting this kind of strange echo when I speak. Gary sounds fine, but I sound crappy. But in other words, I think it'll be a good idea because I'll, I'll talk less. I'll just ask you the questions from here on out, okay? Well, actually, Gene, I hear a rumor that you have to go see the dentist on uh, Monday. I, I do, yeah. I've, I've been under the weather for the last, uh, boy, it's almost six weeks at this point. It was like right around the time when we did our last show, uh, it was coming on, and no one was sure what it was, uh, so people will know my tale of woe. Uh, I had this like huge swelling like on the bottom of my jaw. I didn't know what it was. They thought it was a salivary gland infection. Well, it looks now, the final analysis so far, seems like it's some kind of a, an abscess on a molar down there. So they're going to do a root canal, which actually is not the world's worst case scenario that's really not a big procedure uh, a little expensive yeah at least they don't have to like you know amputate your mouth or something yeah well the one guy i went to said that i went to an oral surgeon to look into this and, and he says well you know they might have to do surgery and, and take your salivary gland out he says but don't worry you have, you have more than one i said oh swell but that's actually a hospitalization situation so uh, that would have been a nightmare thankfully that it doesn't seem to be the case so i think i'll be uh, i'll be okay it's not hurting me too bad right now uh and uh, <clears throat> so hopefully if i just collapse into a puddle of something in the middle of the show people will know what happened if, okay if i make yeah, if you have to go to the hospital you know i'll send you a card right yeah i'm counting on that that'll, that'll get me through yeah. <laughs> the, the gary's uh the disappearance of of your finances card or something it'll be for me so <laughs> uh, anyway no, you'll be okay buddy i know you'll get that done monday and uh, it'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I, I'm so far you've been pretty good. You you projected in the beginning that you predicted that this would not be a big serious thing for me, and hopefully it's it's just been time consuming. And you know, it, you have something like this, an ongoing infectious thing, and it just kind of knocks you the wind out of you. I had like no energy at all, less than I usually do. So I know this has been a weird year. I mean, you know, I, I had a bit of an accident, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I recovered extremely quickly, but uh, it's just been a very strange year for most of the people that I know, and. Uh, I don't know if you're into numerology or not, but in numerology, eight is not a good number. Uh-huh. It's not even a good number to travel. You shouldn't be flying or trying to go anywhere wow. on the eighth. And, or any numbers that are a combination of eight, like the 17th or something like that. Which is, of course, uh, my birthday on the 17th. Yeah, so, I, you know, I don't want to make a big deal out of something that isn't real, but at the same time, you, you notice a correlation uh, with things like that. Now, next year, because it's a nine, should be a smoking year. Oh, good. I mean, it should be really good, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I think it'll be a good year for you, and uh, 
a lot of people. So, well, that's good well. news. Can we can we hold you to this? Sure. Okay, Gary. Gary, predict that'll be our new show. Gary makes predictions, <laughs> and, th- and then we we hold you to them. You'll you'll love that. Okay. All right, let me dig into this. We got some questions here, and as I said, we've been mining through our uh, older emails, so a lot of these questions have been waiting on the stack for quite some time. We really appreciate people's patience, but the questions are timeless. So uh, this first one comes from Miguel, and he says, Hi, Gene and Gary. Could Gary clarify the following? Gary says in his wonderful book, The Disappearance of the Universe, that God's answer to the separation was nothing. And he gives a quote from DU, uh, because your idea is not of God, he does not respond to it. To respond to it would be to give it reality. But then he continues, now ACIM, the Course, says that God's answer to the separation was the creation of the Holy Spirit. And he gives this quote from the text, in a sense, the special relationship was the ego's answer to the creation of the Holy Spirit, who was God's answer to the separation. So his question, it's seeming, seeming discrepancy here that in DU, they said God's answer to the separation was nothing, but in the, in the course itself, it does say that God's answer was the Holy Spirit. So what what's the, the deal there? And that's from Miguel. Okay. Uh, can you hang on, Gene? I, I got another call. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got Miguel on line, too. <laughs> actually, actually, I did have another call. I'm on my cell phone. Right. And I... Uh, I didn't call, but I didn't answer it, so I'll oh, okay. get a message later. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, that part from the Course that she quoted, that's metaphor. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things you really got to understand about the Course, and by the way, this is the only way that it makes sense all the way through. Uh, you've got to understand that when the Course talks about the truth, which is non-dualistic, then you take that uh, literally, it's serious. Mm-hmm. You know, but, uh, you know, that God's answer to, uh, you know, the separation being the Holy Spirit, that's poetry. Uh, I'll tell you what I mean. God does not respond to the error. You know, if God responded to uh, the world and to the mistake, then he would be a dualistic God. He would be like everything else. He would be responding uh, to the mistake, interacting with it. That would make it real, and then we would no longer have a perfect home to go home to. Mm-hmm. You know, so the beauty of the Course is that it's purely non-dualistic. God doesn't have anything to do with this world. He doesn't respond to it. And thus, we have a God that really is perfect. Now, the metaphor in the Course uh, is just that, metaphor. What the Holy Spirit really is, is uh, you know, kind of like your memory of God, your memory of Heaven. Uh, Arden and Purser are right in the disappearance of the universe when they say that God does not respond you know, uh, to the world. When he seems to respond to it, it's metaphor in A Course in Miracles. And there are many places in the Course where it says very specifically, for example, it says, God knows not of separation. You know, it's like he doesn't even know about it. Right. Because God cannot have an imperfect thought. You know, if God could have an imperfect thought, then he himself would be imperfect. You know, then we wouldn't have this uh, God who is perfect love. You know, if God is really perfect love, then it's just that, perfect and it's love, and it can't be anything else, and it can't do anything else. And if it could, it wouldn't be perfect love, which mm-hmm. is part of the subject of the next book. You know, love is forgotten. No one is like, uh, it's about that experience that the Course is directed toward. And yes, there's a lot of personal stuff in there, too. I read about, uh, you know, my relationship with Karen and uh, the things that we went through, and also our relationship today. So it's like... Uh, you know, it's about love, but what I want to emphasize about that question is that whenever you see the Course uh, speaking poetically about, oh, God weeps for his children, 
or something like that. That's right. poetry. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's the Shakespearean blank verse. It's uh, kind of like the Holy Spirit, which uh, can see this world and which does uh, see our illusions, but as the Course teaches, the Holy Spirit does not believe in them, mm-hmm. which is the main difference. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the part of the mind that remembers God and will lead you home. You know, it's as though you had a helper who remembered how to get home. And all you have to do as you know, that part of the mind that chooses between the Holy Spirit and the ego is choose the Holy Spirit. Now, when the Course talks about two different scripts, you know, you have the script of the ego, and all that is is what happens. You know, whatever appears to happen in the world, your history, the history of the world, whatever happens in front of your face, that's the ego script. The Holy Spirit script does not change the ego script. You know, as the Course says, the script is written. What the Holy Spirit does is reinterprets the ego script. So now, instead of looking at the ego script with the ego, now you start to look at it with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That triggers, you know, the Holy Spirit taking over more and more. And what goes on is that that memory of God, that memory of heaven, is activated. And Spirit starts to take over your mind more and more, the more that you listen to the right voice instead of the wrong voice. But uh, in answer to that question, you can't compromise on that idea, or else uh, the whole course will fall apart. The parts that are talking about the truth, the parts that talk about the truth of heaven, uh, the oneness of heaven, that awareness of perfect oneness as the the course defines heaven, uh, the truth of God and his kingdom, uh, those things need to be taken literally. And even though he said this before, it can't be emphasized enough. The parts of the Course that seem to imply that God knows of this world, uh, that's metaphor. Right. And it's the only way that the Course works. If you take both of them as true, now you have a Course that contradicts itself. You know, it falls apart. You mm-hmm. have a Jesus who's constantly contradicting himself, which you wouldn't do. You know, and, uh, you know, the whole thing doesn't work. That's why uh, you can't compromise on that. Uh, the truth of heaven should be taken literally. Everything else is metaphor. In fact... Art and Persis said that in the end, everything except for God is metaphor. You know, so it's like everything else is just a, a bridge or a tool that you're using to get back to reality, and the Holy Spirit is here to help you, but the Holy Spirit is a part of your mind that could never lose the truth. You know, you can deny the truth and bury it in your mind, but you can never really lose it. It's still there, and that's the Holy Spirit. Also, I think might you might you accurately then say that the uh, the Holy Spirit was not created as a response to anything because that would imply that God was responding. But the Holy Spirit has always been there. We're the ones who have to make a choice to listen to the true voice of the Holy Spirit as opposed to the voice of the ego. That's right. The choice is always ours. Uh, you could think of it as being that part of the mind originally chose with the ego, and now it's switching over to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That, in turn, actually educates uh, the ego. At one point, uh, Course Mark says, the ego can learn. Hmm. And so it's like you're actually educating the ego to eventually choose against itself. But in order to do that, you have to undo it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the Course says, you know, salvation is undoing. That's the Course's equivalent of undoing the ego, much like Buddhism undoes the ego. The more you do that... Uh, the stronger the Holy Spirit is going to get in your mind, the easier it's going to be to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. It's always there, and it always has been. You could never lose it, but the difference is 
uh, it's going to get stronger and stronger, and as it does, uh, it's going to get easier to follow. And then you can really do things uh, like Jesus says in uh, the Course, you know, be vigilant only for God and His kingdom. Well, why would the Course want you to be vigilant only for God and His kingdom? Because that's all that's real. Mm-hmm. You know, and nothing else is true. And the more you choose God and His kingdom, the more real it's going to be for you. So the vigilance is really an, an ongoing series of choices that just becomes one. When your vigilance is complete and total, you're just always choosing for God and never anything else. Uh, that's right. It actually uh, becomes a habit, as the Course says. Miracles are habits. And uh, the more you do it, the more you make a discipline of it, uh, the more natural it gets. It's kind of like uh, you'll get to the point eventually where you just do it automatically. Hmm. And you don't have to think about it as much, but it takes practice, you know, just like anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Well, that was from Miguel, so hopefully that cleared it up. And it's another one of those sort of, it's almost like a levels confusion thing where we confuse the truth of heaven, the truth of God, and, and think that we're hearing a conflict, but we're really just applying it to the wrong place. Because here's where we need to right. apply it, right? Yeah. Cool. True. Let me move on to another one here. I, this, um, I, I, we may have touched on this question once before, but this comes from uh, Tammy from Lafayette, Indiana. It says, Gary, I'm thrilled uh, about your new third book. And it said, I was led to DU by my chiropractor and have since read both DU and Your Immortal Reality. I've started again trying to read the course and do the workbook as I listen to your podcast. Is there a chance a book on healing will be written? It seems I remember you mentioning that somewhere. But thanks for all your help with the course. With gratitude, that's from Tammy. Uh, that's an interesting subject. Uh, Art and person do talk about healing mm-hmm. uh, in the next book, the third book. Uh, in fact, there's a chapter called Bodily Healing for an Enlightened Mind. Ah, maybe that's when we were talking about that. So it'll be in, the, in this new upcoming book, Love Has Forgotten No One. Right. Now, that doesn't rule out the possibility of having an entire book about healing in the future, because I agree uh, that it's a great subject. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd like to get more into it. Uh, myself, there are a couple of instances where I've been able to use uh, mental exercises that they've given me uh, to heal my body and to eliminate pain uh, from my body. And uh, I'll be writing about that not only uh, in this book, but in future books, because each book is pretty much going to cover uh, a year, you know, a year of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Art and Purser are coming every month now, which they weren't doing originally. And uh, that's why there have been you know, changes in plans as to the timing of the release of books and things like that. Uh, I was doing a book every, you know, two or three years, uh, and uh, now there's going to be one every year. And that's pretty much what changed things. Mm -hmm. And uh, we want to set up, and this also involves working with my publisher, but uh, we want to set up a situation where a book could be released at the same time every year. You know, and that's the most important thing right now. And that came about as a result of them wanting me to switch to uh, doing a book every year. But I have, you know, a publisher to work with, so, you know, that all has to be worked out. It seems to be working out uh, pretty well, but I'll have more about that in the future. But the point is that there could be books that are primarily about one subject like that, you know, like healing. Mm-hmm. You know, you take one subject and really get into it and expand on it and uh, give more and more specific ways of how to go about it, how to do it. I think that's a great idea. So I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened, especially since there's going to be you know, a book every year. Yeah, so you'll have a lot of topics to cover. Sure. 
But the new one will have a, a one chapter at least, that, which is focusing on healing. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised by it because uh, they get very specific about things that you can do uh, to the body, and I question them about that. Well, you know, isn't this kind of like getting away from uh, you know the whole point that the body isn't real? And they're saying it depends on how you look at it. Uh, of course, the body isn't real. Uh, you wouldn't do things to your body to make it more healthy if you didn't make a decision first at the level of the mind to be healthy. So it reminded me of the uh, section in the uh, the teacher's manual of The Course in Miracles, How is Healing Accomplished? Mm-hmm. Uh, it talks about how it's the patient who decides to get sick, and it's the, the patient who decides to get well. And that's what really matters. And then these other things seem to happen, like you might you know, decide to get well, so maybe you'll start walking you know, an hour a day or something. Well, the only reason you're doing that is because you've made a decision to get well. You know, if you didn't make a decision to get well, you would be uh, acting out these things mm-hmm. afterwards. But it's not the acting out that matters. What matters is the decision. You know, so that brings it back to the level of cause instead of the level of effect. Right. And, uh, you know, it's like, so they would give me all kinds of little, you know, helpful hints about things to do. They even told me that I should uh, rent more uh, comedies, <laughs> you know, and, and see more funny movies and laugh more. You know, because they say that, you know, laughing is, like, really good for you. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, and certainly uh, one of the tools that, of course, miracles, you know, uses of the Holy Spirit is laughter. It speaks very highly of laughter. Uh, one of the ten characteristics of a teacher of God is joy. Uh, it talks about the happy dream, you know, being a happy learner. And this is a happy kind of a spirituality. And uh, before disappearance, I, you know, I don't know how many Course in Miracles teachers even knew that it was supposed to be happy, because... Uh, you know, a lot of these people, they just approach it like uh, it's the same as Christianity or something. They, they have this suffering, morose kind of a, you know, way about them. And, right. you know, it's almost like you're not supposed to have fun, you know, and you're not supposed to have a good time or party or anything. And uh, it's like, no, it's not like that. It's a happy kind of a spirituality. You know, it's a, it's a thing we are supposed to be joyous. And if you do things that are joyous or if you do things that seem healthy... Well, maybe it's because you made a decision at the level of the mind to be healthy. It's always the thought that comes first. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always that decision that comes first. And yes, you may do things uh, that will appear to make the body more healthy. Everybody knows that studies the course that that's magic, and there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you appear to be here, you're going to be doing things. You know, you're going to be appearing to do things. So, uh, you know, do you, what do you want to do? You want to spend your time, uh, you know, just uh, sitting on the couch and eating donuts. Well, you know, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, and you can be healthy doing that, too. But maybe uh, it would be more fun for you to do other things. Uh, there are certain parts of the body that they recommend, uh, you know, that should be uh, massaged that are generally neglected uh, by people. And uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't get into that right now. But, uh, it, <laughs> we'll have a whole different book. podcast going on here in about a minute. So, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, well, it's in the book, and, and the point is, I mean, you know, what makes you healthy and is not that. What makes you healthy is the fact that you decided to get well. And then uh, the fact that you're doing that is just giving form to the decision. Mm-hmm. So they still recognize the difference between cause and effect. The cause is always the thought in the mind, the decision in the mind. And these things that they recommend that people do, well, they won't do them unless they've made that decision. And they, you know, to get into this more specifically, in the book, but they wouldn't be doing them in the first place if they hadn't decided to get well. And really, so, uh, aren't, it, 
All right, I was just going to say that our, our, our physical lives are really led. We lead our lives in the effect, really. So the, what we can always work on is to change the cause, to change the thought. But our very you know existence takes place in the effect of, of a bad decision made long ago. So if you're, you know, if you're going to have a body, try to keep it a little bit healthier. That's a, both a good effect as well as, even more important, a good cause to have chosen that in the first place. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, back in the 80s, I still had a very, very bad case of scoliosis. And I had no energy. And, uh, you know, I really couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. And uh, I was in a good band, and I you know, played the guitar well, but I just couldn't keep up. You know, it was just too much. Now, I was into F at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I did as a result of that was I made a decision to get well. You know, I made a decision to get better. That was what was important. Then what happened after that was that I found an excellent chiropractor. Right, a great chiropractor. Uh, He was uh, the chiropractor for the Boston Ballet. Mm. And uh, I went to him. I wasn't expecting that much. And he just did a fantastic job a wonderful job of lining up my spine. Uh, I'm not saying that every chiropractor is going to be able to line up the spine of everybody who has scoliosis, but this guy was phenomenal. And within a couple of months, I mean, I had more energy than I ever had in my life. And uh, it wasn't him that did it. And the point is, it wasn't him. Uh, The Course says in that same section in the teacher's manual, How is Healing Accomplished? It says, outside forces appear to be administering to him. But it was really his decision that gave form to those uh, things. It, mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, the decision comes first, and then the world gives form to your decision to get well. So you may decide uh, to get well. Your ego may not be able to completely accept a spontaneous healing without fear. In fact, if you healed spontaneously with no outside agent administering to you, then it's possible that your ego would become so fearful that it would find another way to hurt you. Uh-huh. And that that might be an even worse way. You know, so what you do is you kind of like throw the ego a bone. Right, but not like enough to freak it out. Bone. You see, you're saying, okay, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'm going to go to this thing over here, and uh, this works. And, and, of course, you know in the back of your mind it's magic, and that's what, what's really healing you is the mind. But uh, so that your ego won't be too fearful, what you do is you do these other things and, uh, you know, give the ego something to hang on to temporarily as it's being undone because you know through practicing forgiveness that it's all the mind. And uh, the only difference is you're putting, you know, the horse before the cart. It's like uh, the mind and, and the decision at the level of the mind comes first. That's the cause. And all the other stuff that shows up in your life is the effect. That's, that's after the fact. But it doesn't mean that you don't do it. Well, you got to do something while you appear to be here. You know, I mean, you don't have to, but you probably will. So right. you might as well uh, do things that appear to be healthy instead of things that appear to be unhealthy. And if you want to do a couple of things that appear to be unhealthy, that's okay, too. Yeah, we've, we've been digging ourselves out of this hole, or attempting to, for an awfully long time. And obviously, it took a long time to dig into this hole in the first place. So you can't expect to just snap out of it instantly, which I think is always frustrating for any spiritual seekers. But as you said, you you know, you know freak yourself out, or you'll, you'll startle you your ego base so strongly that it might manifest in a worse way. So sometimes a, a gentle curve of improvement might be the better course, which is what we're all doing here. 
Sure. I mean, why would uh, salvation be undoing? Uh, because you're undoing it gradually. You're undoing the ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing it as a process. Uh, the means of the atonement is forgiveness. Well, you know, it takes a little bit of work. That's why I saw the works book. You know, you have, uh, you know, this gradual process of undoing. It has a means to it, which is forgiveness. Uh, it's almost like, uh, you know, you're becoming a butterfly instead of a caterpillar. Well, you don't do that all at once. Right. Well, a caterpillar doesn't just switch from being a caterpillar to a butterfly all at once. It goes through a cocoon process, you know, and it takes a little bit of a process to go from one life form to a different life form. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're actually uh, going up to a completely different life form by returning to spirit, by returning to what we really are. And uh, it does require a process. And, uh, you know, the reason that the Course talks about being a happy learner is because that process does not always have to be frustrating. Uh, at some point, you just become happy because you're doing it. You know, and uh, you know, if you're always worried about the end, then uh, you're not taking care of the means. But if you're taking care of the means, which is forgiveness, you can be happy just doing that because the Course is pretty much promising you, you know, and Jesus is pretty much promising you that if you do it, it will work, mm-hmm. and you will end up at home. And uh, eventually, I think we need to get to a point of trust where we trust the Holy Spirit, which is also one of the ten characteristics of a teacher of God. And uh, you kind of like just get in, into a point where you're doing it, you're practicing forgiveness. Uh, if you're doing it, it has to work. The Course promises that the Holy Spirit is the one that's really taking care of the big part of the job. And our job, as the Course says, is, is just to accept the atonement for ourselves. Well, if the means of the atonement is forgiveness then that means that our responsibility is simply to do forgiveness. And we don't have to worry about anything else. And uh, there's a lot of freedom there, because all you have to do is you live your life, and you forgive it as you go along. And uh, on top of that, you'll start to sense that you're shifting from that experience of pain and suffering, which is involved in the body, and uh, also switching over back to that experience of being spirit. You know, I've talked to several people... Uh, who have been in situations where they should have felt pain, where they didn't. I'm one of them. Uh, when I had that accident on the escalator uh, afterwards, I did not feel any pain. Mm. And uh, even though I had separated my shoulder and I couldn't lift my arm up uh, much higher than my waist, uh, there wasn't any pain. There was a little, there was like some stiffness there, like something holding it back or something in the arm. But there wasn't any real pain. And... Uh, I remember talking to a very famous uh, figure associated with the Course of Miracles, and she told me how uh, a person who she knew had been hit in the face by this person mm. really hard. And uh, the person who was hit in the face, who was a Course of Miracles student, went down to the ground, uh, almost knocked out, and eventually got up. And the thing that was important about that was that this person didn't feel any pain. And uh, I think that that's going to be something that people you know, find happening to them more and more, mm. where they get in a situation where the body seems to be hurt uh, a little bit. Uh, and, of course, in Jesus' case, that was an extreme case at, at the end, you know, for the crucifixion. But uh, we'll get into situations where, you know, once in a while something's going to happen to the body, and uh, there should be some pain there, and there isn't. And, uh, you know, that's a function of guilt being released from the unconscious mind. I'm not saying that uh, when that happens to someone, it means that they're enlightened or that uh, they're completely all the way home. But when you release guilt from the unconscious mind, which is what happens when you practice forgiveness, 
uh, the Holy Spirit removes that guilt from the unconscious mind. Well, if, as the Course says, you know, the guiltless mind cannot suffer, uh, as you remove that guilt from the mind, there's going to be less and less pain as you go along. And once in a while, a situation will come up where you would think you would feel pain, and you actually feel none. And uh, I think that that's a great testimony to the fact that that principle in the Course is correct. Mm. And that, again, is happening then at the uh, at the level of mind. You're choosing not to uh, uh, undergo what it would normally seem to be the, 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 the usual result of a physical uh, injury of some kind is the uh, sensation of pain. But you can actually make a choice at some level not to, not, to, not to choose to buy into that. That's right, and that's because we think that the pain is in the body, and it's not. Uh, the pain is never really in the body. Yeah, the body feels it nothing. It feels that way, but it, the pain is always in the mind. You know, and that's why the guiltless mind cannot suffer, because if you removed all that guilt from the mind, then there wouldn't be any pain, because that's where the pain really is. Mm-hmm. It, the body itself is just a projection of the mind. Uh, it's neither good or bad. It can't really feel anything. All feeling is actually in the mind. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a, you know, kind of like a difficult thing for some people to wrap their mind around at first. But the more you get into it, the more you realize that it has to be true. Uh, you know, it's possible uh, to shut off all pain uh, to the body. And, uh, you know, to have a, you know, a situation where, I mean, you could even uh, die of cancer and not feel any pain. Uh, you know, that's an extreme example, of course. That would be like Jesus teaching the message of the crucifixion. Right. You know, teaching that he could not be hurt, you know, and that he could not feel pain because he wasn't a body. That's not what he is. You know, and that's the point. It's not what happens. You know, we were talking about this earlier. It's not what happens or what appears to happen that matters. It's how you're looking at it. It's how you respond to it. Uh, it's whether or not you forgive it. You know, whether or not you're looking at it with right-minded ideas that are coming from the Holy Spirit. And if you do, it's possible to be free of pain. Uh, I think uh, that both Buddhism and the Course in Miracles have a lot uh, in common mm-hmm. in uh, that goal, which is the end of suffering. And uh, you know, without the suffering, then whatever else appears to happen really isn't that important. Yeah. Cool. Let's see if we can squeeze in one more. I know we have a little limited time here, so we'll we'll just do one more with you here. Uh, and as we said, Gary's on the cell phone. If his battery gives out, he may disappear at any moment. The disappearance of the podcast star of the show. But so far, so good. The cell phone's hanging in there. Uh, this one uh, came from Bill, who's actually located up in, in your neck of the woods at the moment. He's from Connecticut. So, uh, you know, your guys are all freezing up there in New England. Anyway, Bill says, thank you for the podcast. Hope to get to one of Gary's workshops soon. Question, does Gary have any coaching suggestions for the workbook. We were just talking about the workbook. He says, I'm working my way through the workbook, and I find some lessons are very hard for me, often creating anxiety and even fear. Any thoughts? That's from Bill. Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, don't worry about it, because, you know, the ego wants you to worry about it. The ego wants you to think that you're not doing it right. You know, that's that's a defense mechanism. Right. Uh, the ego. I've talked to people who've done 70, 80 lessons, didn't feel like they were doing it right, so they stopped. Then two months later, they start all over again. Well, don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you do 70 or 80 lessons, and then you stop because you're frustrated, and you go back to it two or three months later, you know, start where you left off. Mm-hmm. You know, don't go back to the beginning, because that's just the ego delaying you, uh, because this is death to the ego. The, you, when you say fear, well, that's the ego's fear, because this is death to the ego, and the ego doesn't want you to do this, 
And the ego wants you to be afraid and wants you to think that you're not doing it right and wants to discourage you and will come up with a hundred different ways mm-hmm. uh, to try to get you to stop doing this. And I think probably those, the, I was going to say those key words in the question, anxiety and even fear, as you just said, those are the tools of the ego. And, and the workbook lessons are very, very almost mechanically undoing the ego, and it does not want to be undone. So it works with the tools it has, anxiety and fear, to try to stop you from making any progress. That's right. And, and uh, you know, one of the favorite things it does is, oh, I'm not doing this right. Uh, there is no wrong way to do the workbook. Uh, nobody does the workbook perfectly. If they did, I'd be afraid of them you know, <laughs> because I mean, it would, it would mean they were, they were uh, you know, kind of like Jesus. So why do the workbook in the first place? You know, I mean, it's there for us to uh, get to where Jesus is. It's not, uh, you know, if we're going to do it perfectly all the way through the first time, then we don't need it. Right. You know? yeah, so, yeah. It, so the way that most people do the workbook is not perfectly. You know, and they'll notice that as they go along. And when you do, uh, don't feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, do the lesson the best that you can and move on. You know, don't get stuck. You know, you don't have to stay on the same lesson, uh, you know, for uh, weeks at a time or anything like that. If you don't think you're doing so good, well, just do it the best you can and go on to the next one. And I think even in the introduction to the workbook, he says that basically just doing the lessons, even if you don't feel you're doing them well, and even if you don't feel like enthused about it, it doesn't matter. Just doing them is what you need. It's kind of like uh, working out. You may not think your muscles are getting bigger, but they are, and eventually you'll see the result. So the same thing with the workbook. It is doing its job, even if you don't think so at the time. So that's where you just have faith that it is doing the work it's supposed to be doing. That's true, and if you know if you don't follow one of the instructions that day, it doesn't mean that you can't move on to the next lesson. Right, you won't be punished. <laughs> that's right. I mean, you get credit for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like uh, you know, move on because um, that process of undoing the ego is going to continue as you move on. And yeah, maybe someday you'll do the workbook again. You don't have to, but maybe someday you will. And if you do, uh, you'll see it from a different place because the lessons haven't changed, but you have. You know, you know. my favorite part of the workbook is when you get up to, like, oh, lesson 65 and beyond, mm-hmm. uh, up to about lesson 200 or so. That's my favorite part of the workbook, that, you know, 140 lessons or so, because not only are they great lessons and do they undo the ego really well, but I think that they also include some of the clearest explanations of the course. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are in the course. So, you know, a lot of those early lessons, they're hard for people because people figure, what the hell does this mean, you know? And it doesn't seem uh, that clear. It seems kind of enigmatic. Right. Uh, And, uh, by the way, that's why I recommend uh, Ken Wapnick's, uh, you know, product. He calls it uh, a journey through the workbook. And he actually explains all the workbook lessons uh, very clearly. And uh, you can do that at the same time. That's what my uh, former wife, Karen, used Mm -hmm. uh, when she did the workbook. And it really helped to transform, uh, you know, a lot of things for her. And I'll write about that. You'll see it in the third book uh, where I get into my relationship with Karen. But uh, she's really come a long way. And, uh, you know, Ken Lockett has certainly helped her Mm -hmm. a great deal. And uh, so have I. And I talk about this in the workshops, too, uh, how our relationship changed a great deal when we split up. And, uh, you know, what happened after that, and it's a very interesting story. I don't, I don't want to get into it in too much detail, but uh, that's something that I would highly recommend, that journey through the workbook. It'll take you longer to 
to do the workbook, but it doesn't matter if it takes you two years or three years, you know, to do the workbook. Right. I mean, that's the most powerful thing that you can do for yourself. It's like Buddhism in a year, you know, except it also has that, uh, you know, wonderful quality of this beautiful vision of God that uh, we get with the Course that you don't get with Buddhism. I'm not saying the Buddha didn't... Uh, you know, understand God or, or reality. I certainly understood the Tao and, and that the Tao is perfect and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You just don't see it too much uh, in Buddhism. But uh, you certainly see it in The Course in Miracles, plus you have this Buddhist aspect uh, to it uh, and undoing the ego, what The Course would call removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence is certainly one of the main features of The Course. And, uh, you know, even if you do take longer to do the workbook, uh, if you, you know, if you use Ken's... Uh, journey through the workbook, it's just going to be that much more clear for you. If you've already done the workbook, you could read Ken's mm-hmm. uh, A Journey Through the Workbook, and that would help you also. Or you could do both together again. But uh, I always emphasize to people that doing the workbook of the course is very important. Uh, at the end of the, the course in the Manual for Teachers, Jesus even says at one point, you know, he's talking about that term, being a teacher of God. Uh, he's saying that uh, in order to really call yourself a teacher of God, uh, you have to pretty much have done the workbook. Uh, that's how important, you know, he's yeah. saying that it is. When he says at the beginning of the workbook that an untrained mind can accomplish nothing, he's not kidding. And because uh, the mind will run wild. The ego will take the mind and run wild with it. And you'll have all kinds of mind wandering and all kinds of, uh, you know, things where you're judging and uh, putting down other people almost without realizing it. And... Uh, you know, the workbook is very important. So I'm glad that he asked that question about the workbook. And I would say don't be afraid uh, when a lesson is hard or you think it's in- intimidating. Uh, that's just the ego trying to convince you not to do it mm-hmm. and to delay you from doing it. Instead, uh, if, if you're having a hard time with it, well, don't worry about it. Just do it and uh, go on. And you're going to find as you go along, I think the workbook actually gets easier. Yeah, uh, I found that it takes too. a little bit more time. I think it gets easier as it goes along. Mm-hmm. It builds up a momentum. Well, and, and in 2007, you know, uh, my wife Helen and I, we uh, did the workbook one. I had worked in the workbook before, but I was taking more time, which is fine. However, I went back and did it one lesson every day for the full year. And it's incredible the momentum that seems to build up, and it becomes easier and very effortless. Uh, and, and when you're through with that, it really has created a result within you, almost beyond your own awareness, that then I know for myself, if I go back and read parts of the text that I had already read long ago, it has a whole new depth of meaning for me now. And I really think that's the result of the workbook, actually being in there. It's like an engine that helps propel you along, and your depth of understanding for the entire course becomes much, much deeper. I, I really think that's true, Gene. And uh you know, people ask, well, do I have to read the whole text before I do the workbook? And uh, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you've read Disappearance, then you could go right to the workbook of The Course in Miracles. Yeah. I really do. And, uh, and then, as you said, the text would make even more sense to you mm-hmm. after that. So, uh, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do the course. You don't have to read the whole text first. You can do, uh, you know, the workbook as your first major accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the course, and it might even work better for you. As you said, particularly if someone had a background like having read DU, where they sort of know what the course is about, they're conversational with it, uh, then going into the workbook is no problem, and it will just make the rest of your study that much effortless, more, more just so easy. It just flows. It's really incredible. 
Well, I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, hey, buddy, my uh, cell phone here is showing uh, Are you getting a low, low battery signal. Okay. I got, I, <laughs> I got one thing for you here, and this is a first for our podcast, and it was a question that came in. It'll be a voice you recognize, Gary. It came in as an audio file. And uh, so oh, it okay. came in to me. It's very brief, and so this will be our final question of the night. This one came in, and, and, well, I'll just play it and see what you think. Yeah, hi, Eugene. It's a Spoof Gary here. Good to talk to you again. Um, my question for Gary is really uh, twofold in nature. Uh, first part is, if Gary falls on an escalator and there's nobody there to hear him, does he still make a sound? And second part is, uh, is Gene as good-looking in person as he is in that Bandito commercial? Well, <laughs> that is so funny. A guest voice. It's spoof, Gary. No, that's the, the gentleman who played me in our the, the uh, spoof podcast. It's like a voice from another universe, Gary. Yeah. From the Although sp- I think that when he when he imitates you, he sounds a lot more like you than <laughs> either three. Uh, and of course, he also imitated Eckhart Tolle. That's right. <laughs> uh, in that same uh, spoof, uh, it's it's kind of like a takeoff on our podcast, and. Uh, yeah, if Gary falls on an escalator and there's nobody there to hear him, does he still make a sound? Uh, the answer is no. Ah, okay. <laughs> and uh, and as far as uh, does Gene look as good in person as he does as the bandito, uh, the answer is also no. <laughs> so you actually prefer my bandito look. Yeah, but that, that is a hilarious uh, commercial. Anybody who hasn't seen that, they should go to YouTube. You know, type in Gene Bogart and Bandito or whatever, yeah. and uh, they'll see that commercial that you made. Uh, that that was just great, man. <laughs> oh, speaking of YouTube also, I know I mentioned this a while ago, that uh, I still have some video that was shot on the cruise from uh, the cruise to Alaska that took place over the past summer. And uh, I have a couple of clips with you and I, so I'm going to be putting them up there. So uh, it's not up just yet, but check in, go to YouTube, and you can search either under Gene Bogart or Gary Renard. I think yeah, those will show up with tags uh, either way. And we'll have that up, and uh, we'll also be talking about the upcoming cruise we'll talk about that more in our next podcast which will be next okay, but uh, you and helen are coming right yeah that's the one in march to the caribbean absolutely you can do it you gotta go we're gonna have a great time we'll be, uh, we'll be like the forgiveness pirates Arr. Arr. <laughs> oh it's gonna be a great time and uh you know we'll uh, get deep into the teachings but uh there's always plenty of time you know the way it's set up the teaching is only done on days when you're at sea and then you have these excursions and you know, we all get to eat dinner together, and we have our own cocktail hour, and, you know, we hang out together on the decks, and it's just, I get to spend a lot of time with people. And swabbing and the decks. Why, uh, that's why it's one of my favorite things mm-hmm. that I do, because I really get to spend the time with people, and we, we really get to uh, connect on a personal basis, and uh, plus yep. it's going to be great weather in the tropics. Oh, it'll be gorgeous. Some great destinations out there. Again, we'll, we'll talk more depth about it in depth next time. But, uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, it becomes like a whole little family at sea. You know, we have so many people, all coarse-minded people who are familiar with your works. And, of course, so it, it's just great camaraderie, great time, and great food. Yeah, and people really make lifelong friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in fact, that's one of my favorite parts about uh, doing it. So uh, I get to run, buddy. But uh, we'll okay. talk soon. We'll do. Uh, we should do another one of these uh, question and answer things. Keep it going because yeah, we... I know uh, that people have had a lot of questions, and maybe we should just uh, keep this going for like two or three episodes in a row. Yeah, we'll certainly feature a lot of them because we got a lot of them stacked up, and new ones are coming in. So we'll start blending some older ones and newer ones together, and hopefully, eventually, we'll get to them all, or at least we'll try. Sounds great, Gene. I'm glad your battery held up there. I'm gonna. We'll bring in the theme and we'll wrap things up. But Gary, thanks so much, and uh, enjoy the weekend up there in Bean Town. 
Okay, and you take care of yourself, and uh, everything's going to go good on Monday, and I'll be thinking of you. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Okay, we'll see you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. The Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and released through Forgiveness.tv. Verbal content of our programs is copyright 2008, Gary Renard and Gene Bogart. For more information about Gary and the upcoming cruise and the upcoming book and all sorts of stuff and the DVDs that he talked about, you can find out all of that information at his website, GaryRenard.com. And for further information about the podcasts and links to YouTube and Bandito commercials and everything else, go to our mutual website, Forgiveness.tv. This is Gene Bogart saying thank you so much for joining and listening, and we'll look forward to connecting with you again next time on the next episode of the Gary Renard Podcast, where we always remind you that no matter what the situation or question, forgiveness is always the answer. Forgiveness.